You didn't have no eyes. They were hollow, but they glowed like a mirror. And he had a dead man with him. September 30th, 1871. A rickety old refitted carnival carriage is pulled by a familiar looking black and tan horse. Atop the carriage controlling the horse is a man named Daniel, a heavy set man with large mutton chops and a very flamboyant yellow and crimson three piece suit. The clanks and clooks of pots and pans have turned the carriage into a music box on the verge of explosion, while a rickety damaged wheel on the carriage barely survives every journey. Sweat profusely drips off of Daniel's face, but he does not appear to be in any pain. He travels, whistling a college-educated tune as he moves through a fairly well-cared-for dirt road that leads to one of the most impressive manors this side of the Colorado River. In the deep distance, a dog barks, rather viciously, causing Daniel to pause his tune and check his surroundings. Daniel reaches the end of the road to the exquisite manor. The workers prim the gardens and wave to greet Daniel as he enters with his trolley. Like all traveling salesmen, he exudes a great sense of showmanship, while his clients, the Hawthorne family, greet him outside their foyer. Daniel lugs in his gear piece by lumbering piece and begins the work he was brought here for. Daniel's eye pierces through a large piece of glass attached to the back of his wooden tin-type camera that stands pointing at the Hawthorne family dressed in their Sunday best. Mr. and Mrs. Hawthorne are dressed rather unremarkably while their two twin girls wear matching gowns. Their sons stand stiffly in the back. Daniel now wears a thick cowskin apron and large workman's gloves to protect him from his chemicals. Hold it all there, Daniel explains looking through his camera's viewfinder. The family appears upside down to him through the ground glass fixed to the back. They all stand in a large cathedral-style hall deep inside the manor, with all the window shades open and sunlight pouring in. Each one of the Hawthorne's heads are propped up by a medieval-style stabilization stand, forcing their heads still while giving them a rather dead appearance. He slowly removes a tin from the silver bath and places it inside a frame holder. Daniel removes the ground glass from the back of the camera and places the frame holder there. Uh, the process can be cumbersome, but it is nothing but worth every moment. We know, that's why we hired you. Mr. Hawthorne grunts. Daniel peers from behind the camera to Mr. Hawthorne. The process must be completed while the tin is wet. Once we begin, the individual portraits will need to be quick. The individuals will just be of my son. His son is a 13-year-old boy developing muscular physique underneath his freshly tailored suit. Oh, then we will have a bit more time, but the process must still be quick. Daniel leans down to pick up his camera gown that has fallen onto the floor. As he does, a small handgun slips out from a hidden pocket in his vest. It makes a definitive clank onto the ground. Mr. Hawthorne's face turns to confused judgment. Forgive me for this, he states with confidence. Traveling along the roads of the West can be dangerous. You can never be too safe. Daniel retrieves the pistol from the ground and places it in a drawer next to his silver bath. Daniel re-emerges from behind the camera and removes the dark slide from the frame holder, preparing the tin for exposure. 
He moves to the front of this camera and prepares to remove the lens cap. When I pull this off, the picture will be taken. You must be as still as mortally possible while you gaze directly into this lens. Daniel holds his finger firmly to the lens while he lowers into position. Are we ready? The family unanimously nods. Good. Daniel removes the lens cap. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand. The family becomes tense with anxiety. Six one thousand, seven one thousand, eight one thousand, nine one thousand. Daniel lunges in a very over-exaggerated way to the lens, slamming the cap on top of its face. The family shudders. Daniel playfully inspects his camera. He looks back to the family. We've got it! The family breathes a sigh of relief. Daniel revels in the reaction. Now, quickly now. We must finish this within 15 minutes. The father moves the son directly in front of the camera, like a sturdy kitchen chair. Daniel places the dark slide back into the frame and removes the frame holder from the back of the camera. He prepares another frame holder. The family gathers behind Daniel and his camera while the son stands anxiously in front of them all. Daniel slides the newly prepared tin inside a frame holder and fixes it to the back of the camera again. He turns to see the family behind him. He acts blissfully surprised. Well, please, ladies and gentlemen, out! One simple distraction could throw off this boy's poor eyeline. Your shadows will cast on his face. Your clothes will sap the light. You must wait outside. The family scurries and shuffles. Gone. Yeah. The art of photography shares no difference with them to witchcraft. Yeah, you too, go oh. The family disappears behind the closing doors that lock and latch. Daniel turns to the boy while scraping sweat from his face with a handkerchief. Now, my boy, we must be quick. He approaches the boy while collecting the head stabilization stands left from the rest of the family. He places them off to the side and brings a final one back for the boy. Daniel removes his gloves, he grabs the boy's shoulders and firmly moves them into position. His hands linger uncomfortably. Your shoulders are strong, Daniel says with a smile. Daniel lines up the head stabilizer, loosening the handle and raising it to the boy's head. He places it firmly to the back of his head. Your father said that you have a full scholarship to Harvard. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, no need for the sirs here, boy. Daniel returns to his camera. Let's do these quick, Daniel quick, reiterates quick, like a madman. He crouches to the lens cap once more. Very still now. He removes the cap and counts down again. One, the boy one, holds the uncomfortable two, stare. One thousand, three one thousand. Daniel finishes and covers the lens once again. Brilliant. We are almost there. Now quickly, remove your clothes while I prep the next tin. Daniel disappears behind the camera, placing the dark slide in and removing the frame holder. Excuse me, sir? What did I tell you about the sirs, my boy? Daniel states while vigorously preparing the next tin. Remove your clothes. Quickly, every piece. The boy is nervous and taken aback. A sporting boy like yourself should be pictured like the Greek gods. Your youth and physique are things to be cherished and, and, and celebrated. I don't want a picture like that. Hurry, boy, before your family's portrait expires in the can. And you have to explain to your father why I'm charging him another hundred to bring everyone back in here for another go. Remove your clothes. Daniel commands with a stop. The boy begins to slowly and uncomfortably take off his suit, his shirt, and his pants. 
Daniel disappears under the gown to watch through the ground glass. Yes, boy. The boy stops with his underwear. All of it. Daniel bursts through the door with all of the tin frame holders in a dripping crate. The Hawthorne family lunges up from their relaxed sitting positions. I must quickly get these to my workspace. Daniel utters to the family as he heads for the front door. He exits the house and moves to the carnival carriage. He kicks it twice and the back hatch falls down, transforming into a ramp that leads to the inside. He climbs into the back of his carriage and pulls on a homemade pulley system that firmly closes the back hatch. The room is cramped, cluttered, and a dim devil red for the picture process. His personal effects hang on the walls. The crates of gear make up a large pile in the center. He moves through his chemicals and trays in the cabinet below his workbench. He removes three trays from his cabinet, places them on the workbench, and removes the tins from their frame holders. He digs through his cabinet of chemical and pulls out a bottle of ether. He slowly pours the ether onto each tin, covering the entire image. He washes them in water and places them inside the vats one by one. He digs through the other chemicals and finds hyposulfate and pours it into the vats. He puts it away and removes a flask from inside his apron, wipes his face, and takes a big swig of gin. A match is struck across Daniel's palm. He moves it to an oil lamp on his workbench and lights the wick. The images slowly begin to appear on the tins. Daniel moves over to the last vat with sinister, thirsty eyes. The lamplight flickers a fine bead in his eyes. The naked body of the boy appears. He removes it from the vat and lifts the dripping wet tin into a prominent strip of red light. Beautiful. Chapter 2. Hell Fallen Within. Daniel and the carnival carriage now travel along an open desert somewhere just before the Rockies. The carriage leaves a large smoky trail of dust and dirt in its wake that could be seen for miles. Daniel still wears his flamboyant suit, but it's now left looser around his neck. The buttons are unbuttoned a little past his chest while the sweat drips from everywhere now. He whistles another tune. In the distance, we hear the bark of the dog once again. Daniel pauses briefly, but convinces himself he must be hearing things. As he returns his gaze forward, he is taken by surprise. Daniel pulls back on his horse's reins, stopping the carriage in its tracks. His dusty trail slowly dissipates like a train that has reached its station. Just up ahead, in the burning sun of the empty desert, is a familiar, but only to us, man standing next to a body-sized bag and a leather duffel of his personal effects. His arm appears broken, his beard is unkempt, and his piercing blue eyes barely reveal themselves out of the devilish brim of his hat. Above him, 
flickering the light of the sun across his face, saw three starving, circling vultures. It's Christian, whose story Daniel will soon become very familiar with. Christian raises his pistol in the air and fires a warning shot that rings out all across the desert. Daniel has been through many situations that need his fast-speaking skills. This seems different. I don't have money. I ain't at it for no dollars. What are you at it for? I need passage. Passage to where? Where are you heading? What does it matter? Hobble your lip and get off the carriage. Daniel drops the reins and hops off of his ride like a timid pup. Christian clutches his pistol tight, throws his bag of belongings over his shoulder, and begins to drag the body over to Daniel in the carriage. Daniel's cowardly, overly friendly smile turns to horror as he catches sight of Christian's bloody, mangled body bag being dragged towards him. Animal teeth have ripped at the bag's leather lining. Large horseflies fight each other for the next taste, and the smell would knock a man in his ass a mile away. My God. You got a weapon on you? No. Christian drops his bag and begins to pat Daniel down. What's in the bag? What's in the carriage? Nothing. Open it. It's my work in there. Christian cracks Daniel across the face with his pistol. Daniel collapses into the dirt while his dislodged tooth sails into the desert. I don't want to hit you again. Get up and open that carriage. (laughs) Daniel begins to weep as his now bloody nose leaves an imprint in the sand. Please, I'm alone out here. Get on your goddamn feet and open that carriage. Why, why are you doing this? Quit your sniveling and make haste. Daniel's mess of a career reveals itself to Christian. Jesus Christ. Get all of this shit out of here. What? This thing's melting in the heat. I need it out of the sun. Christian points the body back in the leather that has begun to melt to the body inside. Daniel slowly looks into the carriage, then to the vultures circling high above. Are you gonna kill me? Christian doesn't respond, and the soft-weeping Daniel begrudgingly hobbles into the back of his carriage and begins to unload all of his belongings, piece by piece. Each one of them takes a bit of damage. Quickly! Daniel picks up the pace, trips, and lunges a crate into the dirt outside. He crashes with a thud, breaking in the desert. Fluids from inside leak out everywhere. This is all my work! Christian steps away to leave Daniel to work, and he notices bold printed writing on the side of Daniel's carriage. He moves around the side to get a better view of it. Blood from Daniel's nose has now dropped all across the floor, making a mess of the carriage. I haven't done anything to deserve this. Well, he he doesn't deserve the respect of life, but, but gets a sarcophagus in death? Christian's now become curious about Daniel's trade. What was it you said you'd do, fella? What does it matter? What does it say right here? Daniel peeks from around the carriage to see the Christian pointing at the bold text on the carriage. It 
says photographic van. Christian's devilish eyes peer back at Daniel again. It seems just as soon as the words left Daniel's mouth, his camera is now set up again in the desert with the sweaty face, bloody nose, and perverted eye peering through the viewfinder once more from under his gown. This time sitting in front of the camera in two fold-out chairs like a macabre painting is Christian and his dead corpse of a prize, freshly removed from the body bag, one eye gone, teeth missing, body mangled, and maggots crawling all over. Daniel begins to gag. He escapes his camera gown and vomits into the dirt. How much longer, goddammit? Christian and the body are both hauntingly rendered stiff from Daniel's medieval head stabilizers. The vultures now sit patiently, tired of flight, but willing to play the long game. Daniel pukes once again. He stands back up and moves to his camera while wiping the puke from his mouth. He looks to Christian and has now found the courage to speak again. Is that who I think it is? I heard no one had seen him for a long, long time. I bet he's worth quite a bit of money. <laughs> Daniel again removes a tin and places it into the frame holder. He fixes it onto the back of the camera and re-emerges from the gown. We must do this quickly while the tin is still wet. I've been the one waiting. Yes, of course. Once I remove this cap fixed to the lens, the light enters the compartment and the picture is imprinted onto the tin. It is incredibly important that you stay still and that you keep him still. Movement will cause the picture to blur and may render his face uh, even more uh, unrecognizable. I'll, I'll count for us. Daniel leans at the cap and removes it. He counts again. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. He finishes and lunges the cap closed onto the lens. All right. <laughs> Christian pushes his dead prize onto the ground. It bends and cracks. I'll be happy to be rid of it. Christian is unaware that Daniel is frozen, sweating, contemplating, and devising his next move while staring down to his crate of wet tins in the silver bath. Are you going to kill me? What's next with this photograph? There is a problem. A problem? We need to do it again. I've placed the tin in the wrong chemical. God damn you. Christian begins to charge. Well, maybe if you hadn't concussed me, then we would be in an alternative situation. Christian, disgruntled, turns back to the dead body that flies have begun to tear apart. Jesus fucking Christ! He says, lifting the body back up with a moan as he props him back into the chair next to him. Daniel drops down his hand into the drawer next to the silver bath and pulls out a small but weighty metallic item. He disappears once again under the gown. All right, uh, I must adjust to the light since we are losing it. Christian's eyes drift to the sunset in the distance, but the wind blows dirt in his face. He shakes it off. You must hold still. Still. Very still now. 
Christian freezes and listens for Daniel while he remains hidden under his gown. He hears tinkering, what sounds like the turning of screws, and what sounds like the gear of an exposed clock. The sounds stop. A click. Bang! Ripping through the viewfinder and exploding through the glass of the lens is a silver bullet that rips straight through Christian's chest. The bodies rip down alongside him but tangled in the chairs. The vultures launch into the air as Daniel rips off the gown and runs to Christian, clicking his empty gun while panting heavily. He screams as he reaches Christian, who lies face down in the dirt, with blood rapidly pooling around him on the desert floor. He disturbingly appears dead. Daniel crouches by Christian's feet and tries to remove the pistol from Christian's hand. It pains him to stretch further than he can reach, but he dare not get any closer than he has to. He finally wiggles it free. Daniel looks to Christian's dead prize. You must be worth quite a bit, friend. The vultures begin to circle the carriage again, watching the bodies change of possession. Daniel struggles the whole way back to the carriage, and as he turns, falls flat on his ass, tripping over the crates he removed for Christian. God damn it! He rises back up and begins to load his belongings hastily back into the carriage. With each crate he grabs outside, he quickly glances over to where Christian lays dead in the dirt, suspicious of the ease for which he defeated his villain. He begins to mutter to himself, incoherent ramblings of a cheater. He finishes it all, except for one last bottle that has rolled away from his carriage. He quickly runs to it and snatches it. It's his favorite London gin. He takes a big gulp of it and turns back to his carriage. He looks out to Christian once again, but now, his body is gone. Daniel is in shock. He crouches. He looks to the dead body prize outside of his carriage. It's free game now. He runs to it and begins to drag it to the back of his carriage. He gets the bunny inside, but because of all of his shit, he has to stand him straight up. He goes for his hatch door to seal himself and the body inside. He clutches Christian's pistol while reaching for his pulley system, while also holding the dead body pinned against his belongings so that it doesn't fall out. He can't get a hold of it while holding the pistol in his hand, so he places it down on his workbench and lunges again for the rope lever. He grabs it, but as soon as the door quickly begins to close, it's stopped short by Christian's bloody, primal hands. Daniel screams like a child while Christian presses it down with all of his strength, revealing his bloodied face to Daniel and a giant stone clutched in his hands. He grabs Daniel by the collar and cracks him over the head with the stone. Daniel falls to the ground. Christian's bullet wound is swelling with blood, but he only appears slightly dazed from the blood loss. Christian trudges into the carriage and retrieves his gun off the workbench. He turns back to Daniel, moves over to him, and fires a deadly shot in his belly. Where's the tin, you sniveling ass? What? what Help me finish this picture. Christian places his boot on Daniel's arm and aims at his hand. No, please. I, I, I will. I tell you, I, I, I just need help afterwards. The tin is shot properly. It is in the frame holder. I, I just... You were going to kill me. Christian moves to the camera setup once again and pulls out the frame holder with a properly shot tin and brings it back to Daniel. No! Get! Daniel is swatting away at the vultures that have landed and closed in on him. They peck for his chest. Christian stares at one bird, killing it instantly. The other two are spooked, but not enough to be dissuaded. I'll leave you for his friends. No, no, I don't know how much longer I have before I pass out. Please, 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 drag me inside, please, please. Help me finish this. Then, after I've finished helping you? Yes. You must remove the crates. 
to get to my cabinet. You are looking for the ether. Daniel points to his work gloves on the bench. My gloves? Christian looks at them, grabs them, and places them on his hands. All right. There is a a tray. Take it out and place it on my workbench. Yes. Carefully remove the tin from the frame holder. Christian follows the direction. Now, underneath in the cabinet are multiple bottles. There is one inside with a red label. It is ether. Pour the ether on top of the tin. There ain't much left. You must make sure that the whole tin is touched by the ether. Get get out of here! A brave vulture hops back from Daniel's hand. Now, there is another tub of water. You wash the ether off with that. Then there is another small bottle with a blue label on it. That that is the the hyposulfate to fix to fix the photo. You must you must place the tin in the tray and pour the hypo on top of it. Make sure it touches the entire tin. Christian picks up the tray and swishes the ether around to cover each piece of tin. Very very good. That should. Daniel passes out. Christian leans over the tray and sees the image begin to develop in the tin. The ether begins to expose the bodies, the terrain, and the faces. The faces, though, appear as haunted, faceless ghosts, unrecognizable, useless. God damn it. God damn it! Christian crashes the tin and tray out of the carriage. Ether splashes across Daniel's face and scares back the vultures. Christian begins to destroy the inside of the carriage, kicking the cabinets and ripping the tools off the wall. You goddamn cheat! Snap, crack, crash! The wheel of the carriage outside is finally snapped and plunges the carriage into the ground, shaking Christian inside like a piece of white laundry. Christian falls to the ground and catches his breath, realizing what he's now done, realizing that he's now destroyed his dead prized's tomb. His eyes wander along Daniel's carriage. They fix on a cabinet with two locked latches that have now been smashed open from Christian's anger. Christian's curiosity gives him the strength to move to the door and pry it open. There are tintype photos inside. What Christian sees horrifies him. Daniel's eyes slowly begin to open. He sits outside, bent and stretched. I asked you to bring me inside, you monster! Christian has fixed his belongings to Daniel's horse and attempted to clean himself up. It's time to move on. He makes his way around to Daniel's view. There's no honor in your bones. Christian places his hand over Daniel's mouth. Shh. What is this about? Daniel inquires, noticing his peculiar setup. Daniel's hands are bound behind his back. His legs are spread and anchored to the ground by two stakes. His pants and undergarments are removed. Christian holds up the tintype photo of Christian and the dead bounty with the blurred, disfigured, and haunted faces. Daniel recognizes it immediately as a useless image, and his face drops in horror. I've never seen anything like that. Two ghosts. Christian removes the image from Daniel's sight and places another in front of him. The image of a naked, scared boy. I met sick men like you when I was young.
Christian places a noose around Daniel's throat and ties it to the other stake placed behind Daniel. Daniel begins to shake in fear. Those are not mine. They're for selling. Daniel's lies fall on deaf ears as he attempts to wrestle free. You think you're better than me? Look at yourself! Christian tips his hat to Daniel and places Daniel's own underwear across his face, covering his eyes, and moves for his horse, dumping the crate of naked tintype photos all over Daniel. Christian makes his way to Daniel's horse while clutching the gin bottle. He reaches his horse and places the bottle in its satchel. Daniel, still blind to his surroundings, recoils as he hears the menacing sound of a vulture landing directly in front of him. It moves to him like a demented beast stalking its prey, standing far taller than the sitting Daniel. He begins to peck at Daniel's exposed lower half. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. No, please. Daniel God. screams a blood-curdling scream. They're all yours now, fella. Christian turns away from Daniel and continues on the horse that begins to trot. The body bag is fixed tightly to the horse and the flies continue to fight for a piece of Christian's prize. They almost bring Christian comfort now. As he prepares for the long journey ahead, he hears a croaking voice. He snaps his head quickly to the body bag. The leather flaps and snaps in the wind. You shut the hell up. The horse pulls the reins from Christian's hand. He recovers and clutches them with a tighter grasp. He hears the haunted voice again and fires another glance to the bag. Enough! Christian demands as he returns his gaze forward and frustratingly takes the horse to a gallop, drowning out the bemoans of the invisible phantom. 